0: Welcome to the online worship of Noblesville First on this Sunday, August the 2nd, a day that we're celebrating Holy Communion. So if you'd like to join us later in the service, Pastor Jill Moffitt will lead us through the communion liturgy. So go now and find some foods that represent the bread and cup as best as you can. And look forward to sharing this special sacrament that reminds us of what Jesus Christ has done for us, the forgiveness and the grace and the covenant that God has brought to us through God's Son. Please join with me in our call to worship at this time. Come, all who are hungry and thirsty. The Lord will provide for our needs. Come this day to the table of the Lord. Here we will find welcome and sustenance. Come to this time of gathering in praise and receive God's gracious gift of love.
1: Let us pray. Saving God, we come to you this day from times that are hectic. We are pulled in so many directions. Open our hearts to receive you. Deliver us from the temptation to just give up and flounder in the rough waters of life. Reach out to us with your strength and power and bring us closer to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. At this time, we'll lift up the joys and concerns that we've had come through our church office this week. And a reminder that you can submit prayer requests via the app or the website or through our office. Our pastoral care team would would love to pray for you and lift you up this week. We have a few names I'd like to share. Uh, Pam Moore, her sister Vicki Taylor, has contracted COVID-19, and she lives in a facility, so we'll keep that family in prayer. We continue to pray for Brent balkema undergoing um, tests to figure out what is going on with his health. And Eric Dodd's wife, Karen, is experiencing uh, worsening Parkinson's disease. This week we also had prayers for a Noblesville High School student, um, Griffin, who's paralyzed as a result of a spinal cord stroke. And we've had several come through about um, just... This various health concerns that we want to lift up and pray for healing, as well as those who are continuing to be affected by COVID nineteen and all that we are are feeling right now in our world with anxiety and fear and pain. So we lift all these situations up this week. And I invite you to join me in the call to prayer. Loving Lord, we come to you in the midst of these summer months with the burdens, worries, and cares that weigh us down. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Stir our hearts as we open our ears to hear your word. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Fill our hearts as we open our lives to your healing touch. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Warm our hearts as we gather around your table to commune with you. Hear our prayer, O Lord. Our prayer hymn is One Bread, One Body. Let us enter into a time of prayer. You'll be invited to reflect in silence, followed by a pastoral prayer, and then we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. Let us pray. Gracious God, giver of life, we thank you for all the ways you enter into our lives. For the gifts we receive, for the joys we share, for evidence of new life all around, even when it may may be hard to see. We come to you this day mindful of the things in life that are weighing us down. Full calendars, busyness, anxiety, perhaps fear, sadness, illness, or caring for others. We come to you this day mindful of the people we have lifted up, whether aloud or within our hearts, and ask for your spirit of healing and compassion to be upon them. We continue, O God, to pray for our nation and our world, for all who are affected by COVID-19. We pray for our caregivers, patients, hospitals, and nursing homes. We lift up our children and all who are going back to school for work or learning. We pray for the broken places in our communities affected by violence, addiction, poverty, or hunger. Transform our hearts from the inside out, O God, that we may reach out in care and compassion with Jesus as our guide. We lift these prayers and so much more as we say together the prayer that Jesus taught us. Amen.
0: I'd like to share just a few quick announcements for you. Please remember that we have live worship now available, weather permitting, out at Teeter Retreat and Farm at eight fifteen and ten AM. Both services we practice good social distancing. We invite you to wear masks, especially when we enter and exit those services. So we've got a great safe environment that you can enjoy in person worship. Don't forget the farm stand, available at Teeter every Saturday from 9 to 12. And this week we ask that you pray for our students and our student leaders as the ministry will open on Wednesday, this Wednesday, August 5th. I believe that starts at 6 6 or 6.30, so check the website for the details on that or reach out to Tom Shriver McGreevy. We have a special combined service set up for Bethel AME who will be joining us on August 30th out at the Teeter Farm. That service will be moved that day to 10.30 instead of 10 o'clock. So Sunday, August 30th. And bags, baskets, and blessings Reimagine. Online shopping continues. Check the website for the details. You'll find the links that will take you to all the items they have on display there. You can just see a picture to see exactly what you are ordering. Grease Share starts a week from today, August 9th. And Divorce Care will... Start the following Friday, August the 14th. There's still openings available, and these groups will be practicing social distancing. Be sure to share that with someone that you know, because it's a great ministry that can be helpful uh, in the times they've lost a loved one or uh, struggling with their marriage. Ugly Quilts is Friday, August the 12th, August 14th from 1230 to 3. They need used use ties and one-gallon Ziploc bags to help with that. So feel free to show up anytime during that time slot. If you can't stay that whole time, that's not a problem. Take uh, whatever time you have available for them. And if you're new to our online worship and want to learn more about the ministries of Noblesville first, reach out to our hospitality coordinator, Bonnie Zitcraft. You'll find her contact information under the About tab of our website, and then look for the welcome link, and you'll see it all right there. Thank you for joining us this Sunday.
2: Hi, I'm Olivia Pavich. I'm the new media specialist here at Noblesville First United Methodist Church. I'm here to talk about making mistakes. Does everyone know what this is? It's a calendar. How many of you have a calendar hanging up in your house? Calendars have many uses, don't they? We use calendars to mark time. We keep track of fun things like holidays and not so fun things like a doctor's appointment. We schedule vacations on a holiday and birthdays. What else do we do with calendars? A calendar is a very valuable tool, isn't it? But there's a problem with this calendar. Can anyone tell me what it is? This calendar is out of date. It's old, isn't it? And an expired calendar is really no good. Why? Because the dates in this calendar have already happened. It's in the past. You know, this calendar reminds me of my own past. There are times in my life I wish I could forget times when I sinned or made mistakes. If this calendar holds a record of the mistakes I made this year, I'd be embarrassed to show it to you. I bet all of you would say the same. But here's the thing about calendars. They usually go on sale in the fall for the new year. But once the new year comes, what happens? People mark the calendars down by 50% off, and sometimes 75, and sometimes they just throw them away. Why? Because they're expired. No one would think of keeping an expired calendar in their house. But many times we keep the memories of our past mistakes and sins. But we don't have to if we believe in Jesus. You know why? The Bible says when we are saved, Jesus takes our sins away. Psalm 103.12 says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. So let's remember what the calendar has to teach us. The mistakes of the past don't need to stay with us. Give your mistakes and your sins to Jesus, and he will take them away, just like an expired calendar.
3: For our stewardship moment today, we'd like to lift up our technology and media ministry, as well as our communications team. During this pandemic, they've been going above and beyond to make sure that everyone is staying connected, to give opportunities to watch worship videos online and have daily prayers on our website and our social media. we also like to issue a special thanks to Tom Schreiber-McGreevy for going above and beyond during this time, helping produce these online videos and helping us find our new media specialist, Olivia Pavich. We're excited to have her and see what she can do to also expand the ministry here at Noblesville First. If you're looking for ways that you can get involved in helping at Noblesville First, one of the easiest ways is always to come out and volunteer at Teeter Farm, both on the farm itself helping pull weeds pulling weeds from the playground area, tending the peace garden. There are all sorts of different things that you can do. Also on our live worship on Sunday mornings, we're also looking for people to come and help be parking shepherds or ushers and greeters from a socially distanced standpoint. We'd love to have you come and help with that as well. We are also continuing to collect neckties for the Ugly Quilts Ministry, as well as gallon Ziploc bags. So if you have anything of those nature that you'd like to drop off at the church office, we'd greatly appreciate it. And now as we move into this time of offering, which is available online through our app or sending a check into the church office, will you join me in a prayer to ask God to bless this offering? God, we do thank you for this morning. We thank you for the opportunity to come together, to be here in worship. We ask now that you would bless these gifts, these offerings, these tithes, and use them for the expansion of your kingdom on this earth. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Scripture is from Exodus 21
2: through 13. Then God spoke all the words: I am your Lord, you God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You must have no other gods before me.
1: Do not make an idol for yourself, no form whatsoever, of anything in the sky above, or on the earth below, or in the waters underneath the earth. Do not bow down to them or worship them, because I, the Lord of God, I'm a passionate God. I punish children for their parents' sins, even to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me.
0: But I am loyal and gracious to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Do not use the Lord your God's name as if it were of no significance. The Lord won't forgive anyone who uses his name that way. Remember the Sabbath day and treat it as holy. Six days you may
1: work
2: and do all your tasks. But the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god do not do any work on it not you your sons or daughters your male or female
1: servants your animals or the immigrant who is living with you because the lord made the heavens and the earth the sea and everything that is in them six days but rested on the seventh day that is why the lord blessed the sabbath day and made it holy honor your father and your mother so that your life will be long on the fertile land that the lord your god is giving you
4: do not kill
3: Good morning. Welcome again to Noblesville First. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm glad you've joined us this morning. We're continuing our series on the Ten Commandments up to number six, you shall not murder. And you'll all be relieved to know that I do not struggle with this commandment nearly as much as last week's honor your father and mother, well, at least at face value. We've now fully transitioned from... The commands about our relationship with God to the commands about our relationship with other people. We spent four weeks talking about how our relationship with God shapes our life, determines how we live, what we prioritize, and even how we rest. And last week we spent some time tackling a difficult relational commandment in honoring your father and mother that means something very different to different people. And today, we begin the community commandments, helping us shape how we interact with those around us. And the Bible, depending on your translation, says this command a few different ways. The NIV says, you shall not murder. The New Living says, you must not murder. The King James originally was, thou shalt not kill. We heard in the CEB, do not kill, but in Hebrew, This literally translates to just two words, the the verb to murder and the word no. So no murder and we call them commandments and translate them as commandments, you should, you should not. But remember that Jerry told us in the beginning of this series that these are really 10 words from God and God's word for this week is just no murder. With our limited time, I'll simply say that murder here refers to unlawful killing, which would include today's definition of first through third degree murder. But that's not really what we need to be talking about, right? It is, is the spirit of the Ten Commandments really that we should be working out and debating exactly what kind of killing is Okay. It seems like maybe that's missing the point a bit. And I think Jesus agrees with that. He says in his Sermon on the Mount, you've heard it said to those people who lived long ago, don't commit murder. And all who commit murder will be in danger of judgment. But I say to you that everyone who's angry with their brother or sister will be in danger of judgment. If they say to their brother or sister, you idiot, They will be in danger of being condemned by the governing council. And if they say you fool, they'll be in danger of fiery hell. Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First, make things right with your brother or sister, and then come back and offer your gift. And I have just two thoughts to share on this. The first is on your anger. The word for anger here in the Greek is orgizo. Orgizo is not wrath, and it's not a fresh, hot, fiery anger. But instead, I found this great definition that said it is more settled or abiding condition of the mind that is less sudden in its rise, but more lasting in its nature. Yelling at someone who cuts you off in traffic is not orgizo, but that festering grudge that you have against your neighbor for not bringing their trash can in fast enough is, and the kind of under-the-surface seething about those people, whether that be a race or political party or your in-laws, is exactly the kind of thing Jesus is talking about. And Jesus is not equating murder and anger. They're not the same. But when the goal is God's kingdom being lived out on earth, and peace and mercy and grace being the only way of life, the end result of murder and orgizo is the same. It's dividing and fighting a heart that is not able to be in community with people. It is separating you from your community. And this usually doesn't start big. It's a downward spiral. It starts as something small and it festers and it grows until you start wondering if believing something else is even possible. We start to treat people less like brothers and sisters and more like enemies based on political preference or religious differences. Jesus says, I know you know not to murder, but what about your heart? Is your heart able to be in community with everyone? Is your table open? And John puts it bluntly in his first letter. In 1 John chapter 2, he says, Anyone who claims to be in the light but hates a brother or sister is still in the darkness. Anyone who loves their brother and sister lives in the light, and there's nothing in them to make them stumble. John says your relationship with other people is directly related to your relationship with God. If you hate, you are still in darkness. You are not connected to the light. And I think Jesus echoes this sentiment in Matthew 6 when he says if you forgive others their sins your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you don't forgive others, neither will your Father forgive your sins. How we connect and interact with our communities is a direct link to how we love and serve God. And it's not just our own anger we need to be conscious of. Listen to the second part of Jesus' words on the commandment, and listen carefully. He says, Therefore, If you bring your gift to the altar and there remember your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go. First make things right with your brother or sister and then come back and offer your gift. This isn't talking about you being angry anymore. This command moves from you shouldn't be angry to if someone else is angry because of you, then go make it right. Don't allow your brother and sister to be in danger of the same perils due to anger if you were the cause. And this is huge because Jesus has literally turned no murder into it is your responsibility to make sure your brothers and sisters are not holding on to orgizo because of you. It is our responsibility to put on humility and help our brothers and sisters out of situations that we are a part of. So I guess, in the end, this is still a commandment that I struggle with. When I'm in conflict with others, I don't want to be the one that has to go and reconcile. I don't want to be humble, but Jesus says that we have a responsibility that is on the same level as not murdering people to both control our own anger and not allow others to be angry because of us. So as you think about this commandment today, as you go throughout this week, I want you to think about filling in these blanks. God stands before you and you go to speak and he holds up his hand and he says, not until you release your anger for who? Or God stands before you and you go to speak and he holds up his hand and says, not until you go and reconcile with who? Who are those people in your life that you hold anger for or are angry because of you? Not murdering may come easy, but that's not really the command here. The word from God is about living in community at peace with one another and taking responsibility both for your anger and others' anger because of you. Amen.
0: I hope that you take advantage of the faith first that you'll find on our church website under the worship tab. There you'll find scriptures and questions that you can use for your own spiritual reflection or the youth use in a growth group or small group of some kind. Well, when we watch the news each night and we witness the scenes of protesters and federal police fighting in the streets, it may seem silly for me to make a case that we live in a violent world, but if we're going to appreciate the true meaning of this sixth commandment, then we need to realize how deep this violence runs in our society. There's a tendency when it comes to this commandment to think that it applies to other people. We think, well, I've never murdered anyone, and I certainly don't plan to, so this one I can just check off of having accomplished. Or another tendency is to turn this into a theoretical debate with this commandment and apply it to the big societal issues like capital punishment and abortion. And that does a disservice to the purpose of the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments were meant to rest on our hearts and minds to influence everything that we do. The biggest bit mistake people make when they're reading the Bible, at least in our society, is we apply our Western worldview that is so individualistic. We value individualism so much. But the culture of the Bible was written with a we in mind instead of an I frame of reference. The Bible understands that most everything we do has an impact on other people. And because we're so deeply connected to one another and have an obligation to promote life versus death, we need to consider how violence is experienced in our world at so many levels, at levels that certainly impact us and provide us the chance to impact others. I mean, how many murders, dead bodies, stabbings, shootings, Do our children see on television every day? How many scenes of violence do they encounter on their computers on a regular basis? How many people, aliens, bad guys do they kill, blow up, or maim with their computer games every week? And what about us? Have we become numb to the violence of our everyday television programs? And this violence has certainly been lived out on our streets. You know, right now, the United States incarcerates 0.88% of all adults in our country. Now, that might not sound like much since it's less than 1%, but the U.S. represents less than 5% of all the world's population. But 20% of the world's incarcerated people are right here. That means one in five prisoners in the entire world are right here in our own country. Even our spectator sports, something that are supposed to be play, they become more violent than anyone would have ever imagined 30 years ago. Today, cage fighting is considered the fastest growing spectator sport in the nation. Its largest organizer, the UFC, recently entered into a seven year contract with Fox Network for $90 million per year for broadcasting these fights. And sometimes, Our violence begins with words, sometimes our own words. Isn't it amazing how hostile people can become on social media? Social networks are becoming increasingly hostile, with 78% of users reporting rising incivility as routine. How many of you have had to block or unsubscribe or unfriend someone over an argument on social media? I believe it's for all these reasons that God gave us the sixth commandment it is about so much more than just the taking the life of another violence has many expressions this is a word spoken to a people who had lived under the yoke of slavery and slavery dehumanizes people and it justifies a myriad of violent behaviors because it holds one class of race of people over another god wants the people of israel to be different the covenant, of the Ten Commandments, is intended to create a special people where justice, mutual respect, and love are the highest values. At Mount Sinai, they're facing new realities and new possibilities. They'll be going into lands where life is cheap. They'll be going into places where human sacrifice is actually practiced. So it's critical that they understand that things are meant to be different from them for them in this new land. This God of Mount Sinai holds life to be sacred. For this God, persons are not expendable, but are to be treated as valuable. Psalm 8 shares God's heart towards us. When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars that you have established, what are human beings that you are mindful of them? Yet you have made them a little lower than God and crowned them with glory and honor. That's how God feels about us. That's how God feels about human life. This commandment was probably the most extensive amount. has It has the most extensive amount of supporting statues in the Torah law. There's provision after provision explaining how to handle specific situations where conflict has arisen. If you want to read a sample of these laws, just, just check out the 35th chapter of the book of Numbers, and you'll get, a, get an idea of what I'm talking about. Here's some of the things you'll find. You find in these laws an effort to curb the cycle of violence that can so easily escalate which harm has been inflicted on another. They make clear that life is sacred. According to Jewish law, there was no animal sacrifice that can atone for the taking of human life, even if it is accidental. The Torah law provides cities of asylum for those who have taken a life. A person who would be guilty for what we'd call manslaughter today would be banished to one of these designated cities. And let me tell you, these cities were not the places that you'd want to go to. And they'd have to stay there until the death of the high priest who is currently in power. So instead of continuing the cycle of violence, this law was written to cool things down, to reduce the tension in the community. The commandment seeks to ward off Revengeful killing. Another law, it was legal to take the life of a thief in the middle of the night because you were allowed to protect your family. But it was not lawful to take their life in the daytime because it should be obvious to you that they're there for your property and not to bring you harm. To our knowledge, a law of this type has never been found in any other ancient code of law. There are even laws for times of war, calling for negotiations over disputes and demanding the warring party to seek surrender before choosing to destroy a city. Many of these laws remain, remind us of the war protocols established at the Geneva Con- Convention of 1929. They were way ahead of their time. Now, I said at the start of this series a few weeks ago, one of the best ways to capture the spirit of these Ten Commandments is to state the opposite. So you could reword the Sixth Commandment to say, do everything you can to hold life sacred. As I said earlier, this commandment has been used in the debate over abortion and capital punishment. We choose our sides, our candidates, fight for the laws that reflect our values, and we demonize those on the opposite side of these debates. But what are we actually doing that changes the circumstances that put people in these situations. We know there's a growing correlation between poverty and abortion. The same could be said about those who are incarcerated. So maybe if we really want to make a difference, if we want to promote life instead of death, we should work to change the conditions of those in poverty. What are we doing to provide equal access to good schools? How are we promoting racial equality? Are we working for policy that provides jobs with a living wage? What are we doing to reduce food insecurity? You know, I'm always moved when I consider the sacrificial witness of the early church. That church had absolutely no political power. we complain about no prayer in schools or the fact that Christianity is no longer the dominant force it once was in our society. But those early Christians were persecuted and had to worship in secret. And yet they grew exponentially because they were known for their incredible compassion. In the Greco-Roman world, infanticide was a common practice. It was widely accepted and free of stigma. Any unwanted newborn could be left to die of exposure. It wasn't considered murder if you just let the elements take their natural course. It was culturally acceptable. So a child out of wedlock, or if the child happens to be the wrong gender, or has any kind of physical ailment, it would be common for them to be left to die outside the city. And from the earliest days, Christians held what was considered a radical and countercultural view in Rome. They were widely known for their care for orphaned children. Some Christians, like a man named Callistus, lived this radical life through social activism. Callistus, who had grown up as a slave, organized life watches in the areas where babies were left to die so that they could be rescued and adopted by Christian families. Others, like Bishop Basil of Caesarea, were active in politics. He was one of the main voices pushing to ban infanticide eventually convincing the Christian emperor Valentinian to outlaw it. So in less than a century, infanticide went from being the common and accepted social practice to being punishable by law in ancient Rome. And much of this is owed to the efforts of early Christians, whose radical practices saved countless lives. That's the spirit of the Sixth Commandment. So may God help us not only reduce the violence so ingrained in our society but may we work to promote life the abundant life that Jesus intends for all persons let us pray lord please may we be people who bring life into this world may we work to reduce the violence that is so prevalent around us may we look within ourselves and see the ways that we need to hold life sacred and treat others with the care that you have for all of us. This we ask in your name. Amen.
1: Today we have the joy in celebrating together Holy Communion. So I invite you, if you haven't done so already, to get your elements, whether it's a cracker and juice or sometimes a um, tortilla wrap works, whatever you have with you at home with your family to gather those together and join with me in the communion liturgy. The Lord be with you, and also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. You formed us in your image and breathed into us the breath of life. When we turned away and our love failed, your love remained steadfast. You delivered us from captivity, made covenant to be our sovereign God, and spoke to us through your prophets, who looked for that day when justice shall roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. When nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn more anymore. And so, with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord, God of power and might, heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is the one who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you, and blessed is your Son, Jesus Christ. Your Spirit anointed him to preach the good news to the poor, to proclaim release to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, and to announce that the time had come when you would save your people. He healed the sick, fed the hungry, and ate with sinners. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. At his ascension, you exalted him to sit and reign with you at your right hand. And so we remember the night that Jesus gave himself up for us. He shared a special meal with his closest friends. And at that meal, he took breath. He gave thanks to you, O God. He blessed it, and then he broke it. And he said, Take and eat. This is my body, which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Likewise, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you, O God. He blessed it, and then he passed it to his closest friends and said, take and drink. This is the blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for all for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in remembrance of me. And so, in remembrance of these your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, O God, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts a bread and cup. May these be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world, until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit and your Holy Church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty God, now and forever. Amen. I would invite you to get your elements ready and invite you to take the bread, whatever form you may have. Take a piece. The body of Christ broken for you. in the cup of salvation. Let us pray. God, we give you thanks that we are able to receive this holy sacrament even if it is in a new and different way. We give you thanks that you meet us at the table where we are, and that we can come together. We can come together as community, that we may receive your grace and be nurtured to take your spirit out into the world. We give thanks for this holy sacrament. In the name of Jesus, amen.
0: now go with this benediction knowing that we serve in the name of God who sent Jesus to us Jesus who said he came that we might have life and have it abundantly may we live into this sixth commandment and see how sacred life is May we promote a life and love that reduces the violence we see around us and may we always Meet hate with love. In Christ's name we go forth. Amen.